when I start with a nice word on Parshas Aikav, the word actually is brought in Benayi Soschar, in the Mamurim of Chodesh El. So he brings the Puzik, Vaya Aikav Tishman, Asim Ashbutim Wailish, Maratim Sisa Moisim, Shumar Hashem Lakechel, Chosa Bris, Vasachesed. He says that all the Svurim ask, but Vaya Aikav Tishman, it's not a word that we find used too often in the Torah, Lushan Aikav, and Vahoi was Lushan Simcha, as Chazal teach us. So he brings the Puzik at the end of Parshas Vashanan, where it says, Vishamartu, Sachikim, Smashbutim, Ashunayim, Mitzavachu, Hayoim Lasoisam. Hashem is telling you that everything should be done in the day that you're supposed to do it. Mitzvahs, Torah mitzvahs should not be pushed off. If somebody's pushing off a mitzvah and mashputim, yoyim el yoyim, it's a problem. But even though it's a problem, and even though you shouldn't be pushing something off, but if, but if you did, even if somebody did push something off, but if at the end you got to it, Hashem still accepts it, Hashem still appreciates it, let's call it, and acknowledges it. So even though something was pushed off to Aikiv, Aikiv's you know, illusion at the end of the year, Right, Aikav is the heel. We're now nearing Chodesh Elul. Even if somebody pushed off what he was supposed to be doing till the end of the year, Ba'achras Hayumim, the way it's called, Chodesh Elul, If somebody, even just at the end of the year, he has a hit achieve and he realizes, you know, I should have been doing things a little better, and and now is when he puts in the effort and and is Mekayim Hashem's mitzvahs and he accepts that as Saras Vahoyu, it will be Lushas Simcha for Hashem and Veshumar Hashem Lekeichu. Hashem will still accept it, and Hashem will reward it, even if it wasn't the way it should have been uh, from the start. So it's a big chizik as we um, come toward the end of the year. Obviously, um, I think it's a general Yiddishkeit lesson, which is not which is not uh, a big chiddush. Right? It's never too late when it comes to Hashem. Even if something wasn't good all along, it's still uh, better late than never. But not just because the Eved is also good, but Hashem actually accepts it. Um, so this is something that we all have to learn from in general. Now obviously when it comes to a Yiddish Ashti, running a Yiddish home, um, living life the way it should be, the way the Torah wants, is, is very similar. If you can do something all along the right way, well, of course that's the best. And if you didn't, or for whatever reason you can't anymore, you can't rewind the clock and you, can't, uh, and you didn't do things all along the way it should have been, you know, it, it, it's always good to know that it's never too late, and Hashem accepts everything. And it's the same with, with Shalom Bayes, actually, as well, just to bring out the relationship part. Some people see relationships as, you know, it's, it's, it's stale, it's damaged, it's, uh, damage was done, or whatever it is. Obviously, it's, it's never too late. This is something we all have to learn from. When it comes to Hashem, it's, it's quite a bit easier. Hashem is a Chanan Amar and Hashem is not human, and Hashem doesn't deal with past uh, trapped emotions and, and trauma and all that kind of... Uh, baggage that human, being, human beings do, but we, we try to learn from Hashem and emulate Hashem's midas, and even when somebody did something to us in the past that wasn't the way it should have been, we want to start fresh, and, and, and all of us in our relationships always want to make things better, even if it wasn't all along the way it should have been. So with that said, let me read a question <coughs> that came in. The coverage of Gruen. I want to start off by thanking you for your shirim and Torah. Anytime I've gained so much insight and clarity by listening to your shirim, I greatly appreciate them. I have never been exposed to such true Torah wisdom about marriage, and now the only way for you to act in marriage is through the Das and the Chachma of the Torah. Okay, so first of all, thank you, and yes, definitely, that's something that we mention very often. I have a question that I'm hoping you can answer. While I have always been a very from Yaakov girl, I have unfortunately been exposed to the secular ideas and ways of marriage, whether through things that I watched, or things that my friends exposed me to, or things that I read. I, I now have this distorted view in my mind of dating and marriage. I'm definitely not the most exposed by any means in comparison to what others in comparison to others I'm considered sheltered. 
But it is enough to make me feel uneasy at this point of my life. I, Baruch Hashem, have learned to move away from those influences, but like all things in life and in nature, it remains in the back of my mind. I'm currently in Shaduchim, and I'm wondering how I can be sure that when I get married, I only bring in a Torah culture of Kedusha and Tahara. I do not want to bring Goyesha ideologies and fantasies into my marriage, and being that I have been exposed to that, I'm worried it might infiltrate into my react- interactions with my husband and into my home. I would appreciate I would appreciate it if you would be able to provide some insight on the matter, preferably in English. Thank you. Okay. So here I am, trying to uh, answer this question, and I believe that a lot of people could, could benefit from hearing this discussed. In general, when somebody asks a question, usually there's a lot of people that are thinking it. Um, but this is something that's, that's definitely very relevant. Very relevant. So let's, let's, let's dive straight into it. Right? You, you thanked me for talking about true Torah wisdom, about marriage, and things like that. Now, sometimes people have these ideas that life, marriage, finances, things that are not specifically um, limited or pertain to just Jewish people or just Yidin, so it's, it's uh, up for grabs. It's, it's, it's nature, it's psychology, you know, it's, it's, it's a way of living. It's, it's, it has nothing to do with Yiddishkeit. Of course, you can maybe find it in the Torah as well. And the Torah talks about how to live life. But in general, living life is a living life. You want to know what to eat? You can ask a doctor. You want to know how to get married? You talk to a relationship coach. You want to know how to find a shidduch? Talk to a dating coach. You want to know how to make money? Talk to a financial consultant. You want to know how to build a sukkah? That's what you have to ask a rov. You want to know how to learn a blood gemori? Ask him a Right? If you have a question. But it's not that way. Torah is Torah Chaim. And the Torah is the guide of life. Not just Tariq Mitzvah. Everything is in the Tariq Mitzvah. Everything is in the Torah. And if anything is true, it's in the Torah. Which means if there's a true idea that anyone out there has that works and is correct and that's the way Hashem wants us to live, you'll find it in the Torah. Um, the thing is that when you're limited to Torah, both you find whatever truth is there, and sometimes you'll find ideas that you may not have come up with on your own and are not common sense, and not something that people would figure out on their own, and we have to trust the Torah way of doing things. That's what it means to be committed to the Torah. It means to know that whatever truth and anything helpful you'll find in a Torah source or a Yiddish source, anyone coming from the Torah will be able to share that with you. And that whatever you find in the Torah that maybe is not uh, something that resonates or something that, that you'd come up with on your own or other people would understand on their own without the Torah, we, we have to trust it. And we do trust it. And we're committed to trusting it. So the second we try to th- figure things out on our own or come up with our own ways of educating ourselves and figuring out what's right or wrong, if we're not committed to finding it and learning it from the Torah, then, then obviously we're already, uh, already open to making a lot of mistakes. Now, very many times, a Torah idea, idea you'll find in Chazal, or in the Rambam, or in any cipher from Chachmei Torah, will make sense. And when it makes sense, it becomes very tricky, because now you, you, you are tempted to assume that the reason why you accept it and you could, you could implement it is because it makes sense. Not because it's in the Torah. Which means, oh, so I'm doing it because it makes sense and it's working. Well, maybe I'll try something else that also makes sense and also works. It just gets trickier. When you do something that the Torah tells you to do and it doesn't make sense, sometimes it's easier to be committed because we're Jewish and we don't, we don't have a choice. Um, but this is what the Torah tells us to do. So that's what we're doing. I would love to marry my, um, my aunt, but the Torah doesn't allow it. So I won't. That's it. It doesn't have to make sense. Even though I know people who married their aunt and are very happy. Uh, uncle, you can marry. Aunt, you can't marry. Yeah, the Torah says. But when the Torah tells you to do something that makes sense, that's when it becomes trickier to remember even if it makes sense, and even if you think it makes sense, or, or it resonates with you, the reason to do it and be committed to it is because it's, a, it's, a, it's the Torah. Another point I want to mention about Torah ideas in general is that Torah ideas are often misquoted. Uh, forget about when somebody's taking secular ideas and just trying to find a source in the Torah that backs an idea, but really 
really it's a distortion and, and they're not even using it correctly. But a lot of times Torah ideas are misquoted. Last week I mentioned, I think it was in the Yiddishir, about how people have this idea of mashpia and makabal, for example. Right? The husband is the mashpia and the wife is the makabal. It's a very Torah idea, a very Jewish idea. And there's a lot of truth to it, by the way. So whoever thinks that husband and wife are equal, for example, which is a secular understanding maybe at this point, uh, in relationships, should know that, no, the Torah, the Torah set up who's the mashpia and who's the makabal, for example. But then people, but then people use this idea of mashpia and makabal and they distort it and they come up with their own understanding of what that means and that doesn't say anymore in the Torah. Now they're, they're limiting a husband to not being makabal or a wife to not being mashpia or to blame the husband for not being mashpia enough, for example, um, and doesn't say that in the Torah that he's obligated to be mashpia everything you want to be mashpia. That's just one example. Another interesting line that somebody just mentioned to me last week, which I was quite shocked that it's being so taken out of context, I'm just mentioning it, was a husband wanted something or said something and his wife's opinion about it was that it's incorrect. She, and she spoke to her therapist who said, well, she heard the statement that Das Balabayas is neged Das Torah. So he's the Balabayas, right? He's the husband, Taker, Das Balabayas. But Das Balabayas, as if to say that what the husband wants is against the Das Torah. I, I don't know, it, it sounds ridiculous to me, obviously. But just to, just to correct the idea, right? It's an idea that says in the Surah, and others quote this idea of Das Balabayas neged Das Torah, which, which means that a typical Balabayas, a Balabus, who's not a Tamil Chochem, his common sense and his way of understanding things is very often um, the opposite of the Torah. So if something makes sense to you and, and you figure it's probably right, you should know that if you're not a Tamad Chochem and you're not basing your understanding in the Torah, then it's very probable that it's actually the exact opposite of what a Tamad Chochem and a Das Torah would tell you to do. Which is also very relevant to our discussion. My point is just that sometimes people use quotes or medrushim or halochus and they misquote them and then even though you're sourcing something from the Torah, it's misrepresented, and then you're again not having the true Torah wisdom, which has to be both learned properly and applied properly. Now, let me talk about the secular influences and the education that we have and we're exposed to, because that's what the question's about. It's, it's definitely a big problem. If, if you were, and I don't mean to scare you, I'm just saying, if, if you were exposed to secular ideas about marriage, whether it's what you call the fantasies or ideologies, it's a problem. It's a problem because it's very hard to overcome that by the time it got into your head. If you could not have any such ideas to begin with, and you only are taught how to do something the right way, that's what you start off with, that's what you end with, it makes everything so much simpler. It's hard to know something and a whole time stay away from it, which is why we try to shelter our children, and we try not to expose ourselves and, and, and our children, who we can, you know, to only Yiddish ideas, obviously. On the other hand, this is not necessarily a, a, a marriage issue, where maybe it becomes a little more blatant, where ideas about... Uh, Love and relationship and fantasies are definitely you know, very um, different than what the Torah suggests often. But it's with everything. Every idea that we have, whether, about, whether it's about what's important in life or it's important about in, in this world, principles, ideals, anything that we're educated or exposed to that's not Torah dik, it, 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 has, it has an influence. It's very hard to claim or make believe that you're not influenced by it or that you could just block it out of your mind once you heard it. If you, have, if you have secular ideas in your mind about anything, about anything, um, you know, it, it's, it, it, could, it could very often get in your way. And we all have it. The fact that you're comparing yourselves to your friends, you're more sheltered than them, but you're more exposed than others, we all have it on some level and we have to deal with it. It doesn't matter anymore uh, how much, how little. Everyone should be aware of the fact that it exists. We all have ideas in our head that are not coming from Torah sources. We all have influences that are not coming from 
B'nai Torah, people that are committed to Hashem and Terusai, and automatically, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's definitely a problem. It's definitely a problem. Whether we know it's true or we know that it's not true. By the time you have an idea in your mind, by the time you heard another way of doing something, even if you don't believe in it, even if you don't believe in it, it's still there. And, and it's just something to think about, something to be aware of. Now, why am I saying that we all have it? Because anyone living in a typical um, culture, forget about American culture, just in general, is, is definitely influenced by, by a lot of these things, the things that we see, the things that we're exposed to. Obviously, some more and some less. Some account. Um, I think Ramosha Feinstein was the one that said about himself, he was once very adamant, very strong about a certain opinion, very confident about his, his opinion on something, and he said that the way he knows that he's right, and that this is a Torah um, opinion, the correct Das Torah, is because he was never influenced by anything else. He never learned or, or was exposed to anything other than Torah. He never read any other books, he never, he never heard any other um, speeches, he never heard any other... He wasn't influenced by anything else. Now, how many people can say that about themselves? Even, even Big Tamid HaChachumim can't necessarily say that about themselves. Somebody like Ramosha Feinstein and his caliber, somebody that great and that Torah and said about himself that nothing else influenced him ever, you know, obviously, it's, 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 that, that's something special. How, who can say that? It doesn't mean that nobody's allowed to learn or read anything else that were actually Tamid HaChachumim and Gedoy Ador who did study other things and did learn other things and they knew how to take it. And I'm talk about that. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's something for us simpler people to definitely be more careful about um, just being aware, being aware that we, that, we are, that, we, that we are influenced by other things, especially if you know that you are exposed to other ideas. It's something to take into account. I just, I'm just confirming that you're, that you're, I don't want to call it a worry, but your, your concern is a concern. By the time you heard and read things, it could have an ashpul on you, and you have to be careful now. You have to be more careful than before. Now, there is the idea of chokhm bagoyim tamen, right? There's, if you learn a Dvar Chachma from a Goy, and it's a typical Chachma, right? you read Dale Carnegie's book, and he's teaching you how to get along with people, give compliments, be nice, show appreciation. You know, what's wrong with that? Chachma Bagoyim. And, and it's true. Chachma Bagoyim. Tamen. There is Chachma out there. The point is not that there isn't any Chachma, and, that, and the point isn't that, that no Chachma can be learned from any Goy. Um, but I think today's day and age, I think it just becomes more obvious. And again, this is the way you started your letter. You can get anything from a Torah source. Now, one could always say, yeah, but where did he get it from? without going into detail and without um, looking after each person, by the time you're listening to somebody who you trust, you're learning from somebody who you trust, he's a Torah source and he's committed to, to Torah ideas, and you trust either his filter or his way of understanding something or his way of presenting something, you're already a step ahead. If you can get it strictly from a Torah source or somebody who only learned it from the Torah, it's even better. But there's something about not trusting yourself to just go educate yourself and pick up on where you feel it's real Chochem Bagoyim and you can trust it. It's interesting, Rambam. At the end of Hilchus Kedushachoydish, actually one is at the end of the last Pairik in Kedushachoydish, and one is I think one Pairik before the last, the last halacha. The Ram says that, if I'm not mistaken, he mentions about, about himself that a lot of the cheshboynes that he brings in, in astrology and in, in Kedushachoydish, learning about the, the sun and the moon and the orbits and, and, and the cycles and all that, was from the Chachmativ. He learned it from the Greek uh, philosophers and the Chachomim, right? They were the ones that wrote books on it. And he writes that a lot of the Yiddish Chachamim, who also obviously knew all this Chachma, their, their Sfurim and their, uh, their uh, literature on this was, was lost and we don't have it. So he learned it from the Goy, because Chachma Goy and Taman. And if a Goy is teaching you something that's, that you could prove and you could see and it's just, a, uh, just some science or just some you know, typical uh, Chachma, you could accept it. And, and that's why he's basing a lot of his work on, on what they wrote. But then at the end of Kedush he writes that the reason why he put all this into his cipher, 
Yad HaChazuk in Sefer Rambam is because if you can have it in a Torah source, that's it. He wanted it to be in the Torah. The Rambam Sefer is Torah, and when you're learning Rambam, you're getting it there. So instead of going to learn from the Greeks, you can learn it from the Rambam. Now, where did the Rambam get it from? Well, he got it from, from Chochem Bagoyim. But if you could get it from a Torah source, if you can get any ideas about marriage, about relationships, from a principal, from a machanechas, from a Kala teacher, from somebody, from a Rebetzin, from anyone, from any, any book, any cipher that's, that's committed, either as Askoma or it's committed to Torah, then even if you could find a similar idea somewhere else, why would you take it from somewhere else and have to figure out what to, what to accept and what not if you could get it all? And today when it comes to relationships and communication, anything you're looking for, anything you're looking for, you could definitely get it from a, a Torah digger place. So that's next um, point. Now, let me go to step number three, and this is the idea of a Torah marriage versus other ideas about marriage. On the one hand, the Torah digger way of living, Torah life, the Torah guidance in every area, obviously, is the best way to live. What the Torah tells you to eat is the best way to eat. What the Torah tells you to, to married life is the best way of married life. The Torah way of everything is the best way to do it. Now, some people get stuck on that, and they try to always prove and, and notice and come up with how it's the best. The Torah way of, of the Torah diet of, of kosher and, and trife and whatever is best because very often we understand it. Very often. It's not, it's not hard to understand. The Torah way of married life, without going into details, is, is also the best way. And, and it could be a lot of times understood and proven, but we don't always have to understand it. We don't always have to understand it. Um, sometimes it would look like the guy who's, who's not committed to Torah values is just as healthy or just as happy, and we still trust the Torah. And we still believe that it's the best way of doing things. It's not that, oh, we don't see it's the best anymore, but we still have to... No, we believe that the Torah way is, was designed by the Creator, the one who's, who, who's running it all and knows it all, and He's telling you how to use the machine. And even if we'll never notice how in certain areas, at least, it's better or worse or more pleasurable or more beneficial or more productive or more fulfilling, it's still the right thing, and we still believe it's the best thing to do. However, I think there is a part that we could, in general, um, um, come up with, and that's... I think a general understanding of, of what's good and bad in this world, even just in the typical sense, material world, in the, in the simple world, before a yid takes all the other values into account, there's different ways of doing things in this world. There are people that live in the here and the now, and they'll do what works for them best in the moment, and having that restraint and self-control and looking at the bigger picture in the future is just too hard for them, and they're not interested. And other people that are more um, principled and more... Um, was the word uh, not, not just goal oriented, but but uh, they they know how to judge a bigger picture. They know how to realize that if you invest now and you skimp and you and you and you're more careful with your money and you don't spend so much, then later you'll have more and it will be easier for you. Now, a lot of people will say, "Well, obviously that's the better way to do it, right? Don't eat the cake and the cookies now. You'll be healthier. You'll live longer. Don't smoke the cigarette now. You'll have longer life." Most people will figure out that equation. Just, just for starters, understanding that the here and the now is often more pleasurable, but if you put it away, you'll have a better good later, that's something that very many people um, confuse in this world. Very many people confuse that in this world. You know, most people that are not eating healthy or sleeping healthy or living life healthy, not exercising, not taking care of themselves, it's because it's too tempting and they want to do it now and they're not thinking about the, about the future. Now, if somebody, if somebody wants to live that way, he could. He could. Right? You, could, you can invest money now and, and be more responsible financially so that things are better later. You could uh, eat better, like I said, you get a lot of examples. And one of the examples actually is when it comes to relationships, nothing to do specifically with Torah, um, but in relationships. 
You could live a marriage or a relationship thinking of only yourself and what's easy for you to do right now. Or you could be more a giving person and a flexible person and a tolerant person and you'll have a happier life in general. What do you mean? I have to now spend time with my wife where she wants to go. You don't have to, but it probably pays for you. You'll, you'll be happier you know, in the big picture. No. In general, the Torah way of doing things, first of all, just for starters, is, is, a, is looking at the bigger picture. Hashem wants us to be a happier and healthier people, and He gave us guidelines. Now, the fact that we're restricted by those guidelines and other people are not, and they seem to be happier and living, uh, you know, eat, drink, and be merry, even in the simple sense of it, you'll be happier when you do it in a more principled and more controlled manner. That's first of all. And I think a lot of what, what um, different ideas and different things that w- we see in the secular world and that we're tempted by is just, that, that's the equation. That's the equation. The, the world is pulling and tempting and wanting people to just make their own decisions and do whatever they want, and then not taking things into account, and the Torah is making us taking things into account. Aside from all that, there's the idea of Chaya Shu and Chaya Oilam, which is very similar, but now we're adding new things into the equation. Which means the Torah is telling us, letting us know, being nice enough to let us know, that there's much more to it. It's not only the here and the now of this world and these 120 years, which already might pay for you to just live life in a more controlled way so that the 120 years that you do have are more pleasurable and more fulfilling, but there's much more to it. This whole world and the whole 120 years of it is also just the here and the now. There's much more to it. So even though, even in this world alone, you'll see that people that are committed to the Torah will be generally more happy, even if not necessarily in the moment, but by the time you take into account that there's a world to come, by the time you take into account that you were here for a reason, by the time you take into account that you're here for a higher purpose, oh, then, then already it's a whole different story, because then the here and now isn't even so significant anymore. And Hashem is certainly the one that's going to tell us and teach us that if you control yourself now, it will be bigger, you, bigger and better for you, you know, in, the, in, the, in the whole picture. So with that said, I think it becomes obvious that any Goyish ideology, any non-Jewish understanding of, of what life should be like in general and what marriage should be like in general is obviously um, not taking into account what I call the bigger picture both in this world and, and everything else. Now Hashem designed it and knows what's best for us and lets us choose. He lets us choose. So it's up to us to decide if we want to be committed and do the right thing. It doesn't mean that we're allowed to do everything, but we can. Hashem, Hashem um, definitely gives us the ability to choose. Now by the time you take into account as well that there's a Shechina Shri Banayam, there's a Shechina in the Yiddish Shri, when people are getting married, Hashem is there with you. So there's more, again, the, 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 the secular world doesn't take that into account. You're just having fun, you're doing whatever you want, you, you don't realize that there's, there's holiness involved, there's, there's more to it, there's much more to it. Another question, forget about the future doiris and nachis and, 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 and the tachos hashlimas of the world and bring the world closer to Mashiach and everything else. But, let me just go back to what I said before. I think even in the typical sense, I, I think, I, I think it, to me it seems uh, obvious, even a goy who would be living life in a Torah way would be happier in the bigger picture, even just in this world. So that's something to, to think about. Now, now let me go back to what the question is saying. Right? It seems that you know this and you appreciate hearing that the Torah ideas and you want to live with it, but you were influenced and exposed to other things that you're afraid might infiltrate um, and influence how you behave. Like I said, it's very important to acknowledge that. When it comes to addiction, for, for example, I speak to a lot of people that are addicts and 12-step programs, and one of the first things in a 12-step program is when you come to a meeting, for example, you identify as an addict. Now, without going into if it's good or not, or if you are or aren't, or if it's really an identity or not, the fact that somebody acknowledges, yes, I have this problem, I'm an addict. I've been sober for 17 years, and I'm still an addict. I'm willing to acknowledge that if I don't take care of myself, and I don't follow with 
whatever I decided I have to do for my recovery, I'll very easily relapse. There's something about that, that acknowledging that uh, if only we would do this more often with ourselves and acknowledge, for example, over here, it's, 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 I acknowledge that I was exposed to things. I acknowledge that if I'm not careful about being committed to Torah, I might, by default, fall away. And like I said before, it's not only because you were um, exposed, everyone was, and it's because we have that internal um, component, which is called the Yatsahara. The secular idea came from somewhere. It wasn't just trend. It doesn't. It didn't just go generation after generation. It came from people wanting to follow their own instincts and desires and do whatever they want. And we all have that. So even somebody who was never exposed to anything could still have that part of him, which is the Yatsahara, which is not in control. I'm not talking about a good batoyer who's committed to Torah and doesn't know from other things and, and, and is able to determine right away what is and what isn't the Yatsahara. But most of us won't realize when we're getting an idea that's, that's not in sync with what the Torah wants us to do. And that's why the only way to stay objective and stay in control is what Chazal teaches us. If you're committed to a roof and a das Torah and somebody who you trust will be able to guide you and lead you in a Torah way, that, that's the only way to go. It's both because you might not know what the Torah wants and you might not figure it out on your own and because um, you're definitely very subjective. So even if you really learn something, you might come up with ways to understand why maybe not, maybe yeah, and things like that, that here's different, or that's not what, what's meant, etc. Another important thing is what the Chazal teaches us not to follow Mekile Bashama Mechimre Bezil. Somebody sometimes is looking for every leniency. Well, I know that there's a Kal teacher that said that. I know that there's a roof that says this. I know there's a dying that allows that. That's not a way to go. Asayi Lechura, you have to have your own person you follow. It's the only way to stay committed. So, especially because you know that you're tempted and you were exposed and you have ideas, it's all the more reason to make sure, both to be aware of that and to make sure that you're committed to something. Now, I just want to end off with this. The Torah definitely allows exceptions. Stamazai. This is an important concept. The Torah takes into account everything. To say that my situation is different than the Torah, and that's why I now need something else, that's always wrong. Because if your situation is different than what the Torah would suggest, then the Torah allows that exception. And Aruv and Adas Torah, and anyone who's guiding you will know about that and be able to guide you. And it's important to remember that exceptions are exceptions. It's important to know that you're doing something different than what you should be doing, because the Torah allows you to do it in this situation. And that the Mitzvah Shema things settle back, if, if, if they will, then obviously you want to do things better. Sometimes uh, people get a certain hatter or be told that in this case, you know, you do it this way, that way, it's okay, just remember, you're doing it because the Torah allows it under certain circumstances, find out what they are. Instead of just deciding on your own and making it the rule instead of the exception. Um, and like I started off with the Voyage of Tishman, of course it's best if somebody starts off and gets married without knowing of any other ideas and does it right from the start. Second best is if you do know what you shouldn't and you still start right from the start and you don't follow it, you know. And third best is somebody who even started off on the left foot and did everything wrong and they realize now that, yeah, the Torah um, suggests something different and I'm going to change what I do. Just because you married for 10 years and did things the wrong way and you weren't committed to what the Torah teaches is not a reason to continue going that way. So I would hope that Mr. Hashem, Hashem will definitely be very happy with all of us who do things better even if we, could, we should have been doing it in the past already. And we'll all be happier. We'll all be a lot happier. We'll, we'll be happy with ourselves, happier with our homes, and be able to enjoy the better good and the bigger pleasures in life and get to the real Shlamis and live together in Ibershilf. Bahava Akhashulam Varayas.